handout, the front. Welcome to OERF. Okay, we're looking at that. If you're new, that's where we, we go at this time. We look every week at um, a piece of the story of the crucifixion of Jesus. And this is the final. We're, we're moving in the final few weeks of school. We've heard everything Jesus said on the cross. And um, we've seen a few miraculous things that have happened affiliated with that time. And uh, we've seen wonderful things, wondrous things. Tonight we're going to see something that is included in three of the four Gospels, which is cool. Uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke include this event. And uh, it's very important to them. You wonder why would, you know, why do we have four Gospels? You know, why, they don't tell the same things. Last week we talked about dead rising out of the tombs and walking and speaking about Jesus in Jerusalem. You hear that, and you're like, well, Matthew found that to be essential to the story, and, and I want to talk about that, um, but Mark and Luke didn't, John didn't. Why not? You kind of wonder, why, did, why didn't they do that? Well, you can, only, you can only guess on why, the why behind why they didn't mention that or why they said that. Well, Matthew and Mark and Luke all have their own personalities. John has his own personality, his own uh, reason for writing, and his own audience, and uh, just a general just overview of that, Matthew... Uh, was a Jewish writer writing to primarily a Jewish audience. Uh, Mark uh, was alongside of Peter and, and got all of his material from Peter. And so this is sort of Peter's gospel. It's a lot shorter. Uh, it's more ADD. I mean, it's just action, 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 um, and, and less uh, speeches. Uh, it's, it's, if you want a, a quick idea of what that is, Luke is more uh, thorough. Um, he followed Paul around. Uh, he, he sailed around with Paul. And, and then he gave us more writing than any other uh, gospel writer. And so a lot of the stories in Matthew and Mark are also included there. And so he summed up what was going on. Uh, and so you see a lot of overlap between those. John was, we, we think, written later by, the, by John, the beloved disciple of Jesus, one of the inner circle guys. And he didn't, he didn't feel the need to cover a lot of the same stuff that the Matthew, Mark, and Luke did. And so he, there's a lot of newer stuff. There's some different ways he stylized it. But uh, for the same, uh, a, lot of, a lot of things are very similar. Well, it's interesting that all three of the first Gospels, written Matthew, Mark, and Luke, all have this uh, verse, which is the one that's bolded on your sheet there, uh, 54, which is uh, the centurion. And I'm going to read it to you, and we'll talk about it briefly tonight. And I think it's very profound for all of us, so let's hear it. Uh, and then Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. And when the centurion and those who were with him keeping watch over Jesus, saw the earthquake, which we skipped because we talked about it last week, and what took place. When they saw that, they were filled with awe and said, truly, this is the Son of God. Grass withers and the flowers fade, y'all, but the Word of God stands forever. May He add His blessing to it tonight and write its eternal truths on our hearts. Let's pray. Um, so, Father, we um, are very much uh, in different places tonight. We're very much all over the place. Uh, we, uh, some of us are feeling... Uh, in a funk, maybe, um, unspiritual. We haven't cracked open our Bible this semester, um, apart from maybe going to church or, or this, this weekly meeting, gathering, and, and some of us have, uh, are kind of starved, um, suffering and, and, and hurting. Uh, we long for things that are foggy to become clear about you. Uh, some of us feel like we know it all, and, and we're, we're hearing the same things all the time, and, and, but it's not... Um, it's not really penetrating our hearts, and we don't feel like we're any different than when we, when we began this semester, and so we feel a little bit apathetic, cynical even, uh, maybe a little burned out, 
wherever we are, Lord, we pray that tonight uh, you would uh, hit us uh, with um, a jolt, uh, a, a, a bigger grasp of who you are, and that we might be taught by your Spirit uh, what these words mean, that a, that a Roman centurion could, could see the events of the cross and, and confess uh, your divinity, confess uh, your kingship. And may we confess those truths as well. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Guys, this is a, a treat uh, to look at this. Uh, my first sermon I ever ta- you know, preached or first scripture I ever taught on was this verse, of all things. Uh, it, was a, it was an assignment in class, in a seminary class, and it was on this verse. So it's, I, didn't, I didn't actually break up those notes for you guys. I'd be scared to look at those. Uh, it's many, many years ago. Uh, but um, yeah, it's on an old hard drive somewhere maybe. Um, okay, so big idea tonight uh, is that faith in this death, the death of Jesus, brings um, this man, a centurion, um, all kinds of new, uh, all kinds of new insights. It messes up his metaphysics or his understanding of how things are, what to expect, possibilities, what's going on in reality, and so I want you to think about what it's like um, to have those sort of aha moments. Um, you know, Isaac Newton, when he was looking at uh, the, you know, the sun and observing it, he actually stared at it for a number of seconds and burned his retinas. You know, and he had to like, recover from that. Uh, and so uh, that, we've all heard, a lot of us have heard that story, or people we know and love us have heard that story, and teachers have heard that story. And so whenever there's like an eclipse or something like that, we always get, you know, kind of weird things to look at it through, or we, don't, we know not to look directly at the sun or, or stare at it. It took him quite a few days to, to gain his eyesight back. And so that image uh, is what it's like for, uh, of, of us looking at a, a, sun, a sunshine or sun, you know, sun rays. That's like what I believe what this guy saw. It, it really rattled him. It left him in awe when he saw Jesus. Uh, these sort of things changed him and um, left an indelible impression on his life. And so the answers to these questions, and when we stare at God long enough, we look at him, uh, as Marianne was, was talking about, when she uh, sees God and sees who Jesus is, it impacts you. And you either need to, to, to go towards him or go away from him, but you really need Jesus to go between you and him because he's, he's holy and we're sinful. And when we look at ourselves in the glory of this God, he's amazing. And so this man was amazed. Uh, and so a few things here. Um, who was he? First of all, he's one of us. He's a regular sinner, uh, just like us. If you know anything about Roman culture, you know it was a very sinful, uh, you know, like, you, don't th- you don't talk about, um, you know, your mind, in your mind of what the uh, fratastic college life would be like. I mean, like just the... the the stereotypical movie of debauchery of what the college life is like. That's Rome, okay? Uh, you know, the, the, the worst example of college partying is trying to even recapture a little bit of that life. You know, the Roman uh, partying lifestyle of, of, of all, all kinds of things going on there. So this guy uh, is more than likely just a regular sinner, uh, maybe even, you know, worse than some, but definitely a sinner. And he realized he's in the presence of a holy God. Now, when I was last... last Spring, I was having a discussion with a, with a friend of mine named Marshall over at Midway Deli. And the discussion was not uncommon with me. I talk about football a lot. And, and we're, we're talking about OU football, what we need to do to get better. 
and, and just like our game plans, you know, all those sort of things. We're talking about this, and this is actually the fall, because we're actually losing games or something like that. So we're, we're, we're discussing what's wrong with OU football. And so I'm going on and on and on, waxing eloquently, and I look over Marshall's shoulder, and I notice Barry Switzer's sitting right there, listening to us. <laughs> it's second Switzer reference tonight. And I'm like, this is amazing, okay? I'm an idiot, okay? I'm talking about football, and there's Barry Switzer listening in on our conversation. That's just the, I mean, like, you feel just so dumb, you know, thinking about the guy who's won national championships and many games, and I'm, I, there I am at acting like, you know, like I know what I'm talking about. And that, that's, that's what I feel like when we encounter this Jesus, the bigness of who he is, what he's done, he shows us the glory of God, and we feel small. We feel sinful. We feel unworthy. And so the, the centurion and his associates... It says he and the soldiers with him um, likely were there when Jesus was crucified. They were actually probably driving the nails through um, six hours prior. Okay, we know he was on the cross for six hours. Uh, so a centurion was, was a big dog. He commanded 100 guys. Uh, these other guys are probably regular soldiers. and Maybe he was the, the supervisor here in the situation. So um, he didn't wake up that day expecting to see what he was going to see. Um, he said, oh, we're going we're gonna to go do this crucifixion duty. And so there's three guys, two kind of ordinary criminals, and you've got Jesus, who's sort of a kind of a religious uh, criminal. He's, he's made claims that he is the, the king. He's made claims that he's God. And so the religious Pharisees have, have railroaded him into a death sentence here because he's said things that are contrary to, his, to their religion. And so... There they are. We've got killers, we've got bad guys, and we've got this religious um, criminal, Jesus, who said he's a king, who said he's the son of God, that kind of thing. And so God takes this guy, these guys, the soldiers who have crucified Jesus, and he changes their mind. He, they see very unlikely things. And I tell you, unlikely things happen all the time. You simply never know what's going to happen. You never know the unpredictable things that are going to happen to you. You just never know what's going to happen. And that guy did not wake up that morning thinking, he's going to see all this stuff. But here it is. Uh, if, you're going to tell, if you're going to tell him he's going to be doing anything other than regular business, he would have looked at you and laughed. But two of these guys, again, regular criminals. Jesus, though, he's the king. And he doesn't look like a king, though. He doesn't look like a king at all. He has no... Uh, no armies, uh, no subjects. Everyone's abandoned him uh, except his mom and a few disciples who are at a distance. And there he is being crucified. Uh, but he, he was truly the king, uh, the king of the Jews, as that's what, they, that's what they plastered over his head, the king of the Jews. Okay, and so what does that mean? You know, the king of the Jews, if you, think, if you know the, the Old Testament, um, it was a theocracy, okay, meaning God is the ruler. And so every king underneath, um, every king was underneath God. So they, they took their orders from God, and when they, when they ruled poorly, God judged them. Think of King David. Uh, even a king, a king after God's own heart was judged by God. And you can go on and on and on through the history of Israel and see that the true king was actually God. And so this king, um, you know, Jesus was to be that king. All these other kings were pictures of that. Jesus was the true king. And that, was, that title, King of the Jews, was obvious to exactly nobody. Okay, no, nobody really got that Jesus was that king. It didn't look obvious at all. Again, he had no kingly attributes outside of being this righteous man. Okay, it's very important. 
Okay, so there he was, six hours into this. Jesus has just breathed his last, and he's seen those seven words. He's seen an earthquake. He's seen tombs opened. He's seen uh, the, the sun go dark. He's seen all these things happen. And then he sees, well, we'll just go back just and, and, and talk about what he's heard. He's heard a lot of bad things in his life. He's seen a lot of bad things in his life. He's done a lot of bad things in his life. He's, he's a bad guy, but he's seen righteousness personified on a cross. The first thing he's, or we'll go backwards order here. If you think about the most recent thing he's heard from Jesus, the last thing he said was, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And so in the, like, he, he, with, his, with such faith, as he's about to expire, he says the very last words, Father, I'm coming to you, and I'm giving you, I'm handing my spirit into your hands. He believes as he walks into the unknown of death. Um, the, the next to last thing he said was, it is finished. He sort of has this idea that he has accomplished this cosmic plan. Before that, he had suffered for hours and hours and hours, rejected any kind of treatment or, or refreshment, and he says, I thirst. After doing all this for people, he says, I thirst. He's selfless. He epitomizes selflessness. That made an impression on him, certainly. Um, he cried out uh, in, in forsakenness and probably the saddest words ever heard. Uh, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He walked through that. He walked through hell itself for his people. Um, before that, he um, says, hey, John, take care of my mother. Uh, he, so he's on the cross. And he's saying, take care of my mother. Uh, he's providing for his mother. He promised salvation to the criminal next to him who, who repented. And the first thing he said six hours prior to his death, after he was freshly stripped, nailed to a cross, and lifted up as he prayed for the forgiveness of the soldiers who were gambling for his garment. Um, and so the centurion is thinking, not only was there an earthquake, not only did the sun go black, not only was the temple veil torn, not only were zombies walking out of the graves, um, not only were these things said after that, but the very first thing he said was, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And that was me. And so, uh, you know, he probably scoffed at this religiosity of this Jesus on the cross at first, but then he says, look, there's something to this. Everything he knew that was possible is, is just blown to smithereens. No one could be like this. I'm actually worse than I ever knew. And this person, I've, I've crucified the most innocent person that's ever lived, and he's looked at me, he's looked at God and said, forgive him. He doesn't even understand. And so he's owned that. He said, this, this has got to be the son of God. Okay, the, the sky went black, tombs open, all this happened, and he's heard, he forgave me. Okay, look, I'm a centurion. I did all these bad things. I've said all these bad things. I've seen all these bad things. I've owned it. And look, here I am. Okay, he's a regular Joe sinner. He's a bad sinner. But Jesus looked at him and loved him. Okay, that's, that's absolutely breathtaking. That shouldn't be possible. We should get what we deserve, but he's not getting what he deserved from Jesus. Okay, secondly, the death of Jesus helped the soldier to see that reality is very complex. Okay, so the death of Jesus is going to get at what we can understand. It's going, to, it's going to overcome our limits of knowledge. Here Jesus is dying and dead in the moment. God himself is dead. What does that mean? 
Uh, this guy has seen what he thinks is the Son of God, and, you know, he says, look, this is the Son of God, and he believes that, and he doesn't even know the end of the story, okay? In the moment, he isn't, like, we've heard the story. We've heard Jesus resurrected on the third day, but this guy doesn't know that, but he does know it. He, doesn't, he knows that this is God. There's something coming. There's, there's, a, there's another day coming. There's another day for Jesus because he's going to be alive again. He knows that even though, like, he hasn't seen it. And that's just like you, like, just like me. We're all sinners just like this guy. And secondly, we can know things that we can't see. Because look, this guy saw it, he saw Jesus, and we can know things we can't see. He could know the resurrection was going to happen before it happened because it's the Son of God. Look at what he's done. Um, this guy, he wasn't religious. He didn't need the rituals of the Jewish people. He didn't, you know, he didn't need um, to do all the right things or say all the right things or see all the right things. He needed to see the gospel. He needed to see Jesus. He saw Jesus, and it changed him. Uh, you would think the ones who had been doing the right things, going to the right churches, listening to the right podcast, seeing, hearing, saying, and doing all the right things, the good, moral, right, righteous things, uh, would be the ones changed. But no, this guy who crucified Jesus, saw his own needs, uh, met by Jesus, was the one changed here. Um, if you see the, the earlier um, encounter with the centurion, we won't read it, but I'd I, you know, call you to go back to it. It's on your handout there. Uh, Jesus says that there's no one in Israel who has the faith of this foreigner, this soldier, uh, who says, look, you can command anything, Jesus, because you are the king. No one got that except this foreigner. And, and so he's saying, look, this is a picture of the future. People who have no idea, who haven't been in the right places, haven't been doing the right things, haven't been doing the right rules, uh, are going to see me and believe and have faith, just like this guy, this first centurion. And here it is. This centurion was, was right there with him. Okay, so from the gospel, we can start to believe things that are impossible. Impossible. You can get 1,000 a, a Instagram likes. You get 100. No, you can You get 100 on every exam. Some people could. Um, yeah, okay. You, and that's not what we're talking about here. Um, I'm talking about you're made for something bigger than that. You're made for a greater reality. You're made for a mysterious, beautiful communion between you and God, between you and the universe's creator. Um, you're, you're, you're regular, non-religious people. You're Gentiles like me. Uh, you're, you're like a centurion. And you're made for this unity with God through Jesus. Uh, people have said, done, and heard, and seen all the wrong things. Here's another example of them, and here's one of us. And what we know is possible, what we know is true, what we know is simple, is just not simple. It's not, it's not what we thought. Here it is. We think what, what's true is we get what we deserve, uh, and we've got to do all the right things in order to be clean enough for God, and Jesus blows all that out of the water. God's got something bigger for you than Instagram likes, um, more than Facebook comments, of course. No one cares about that. Um, more than the clothes you wear. Um, more than the playoff picture, obsessing about that. More than thousands of hours of gaming. He has more for you than that. He's made, made more for you than that. He takes people obsessed with being cool. He takes people obsessed with power, obsessed with sex, obsessed with money. Uh, he takes people who are broken by life, broken by family, broken by finances, broken married people who feel like the very thing that they thought would complete them is actually making them less complete uh, in their relationships. He's taken people broken by classes, 
He's, people, he's taking people drunk at 3 p.m. He's taking people in the bed of someone else, realizing they made a huge mistake that, and they hardly know this person. He's taking people and changing their view of what is possible because life is more complex than just do good and get good. Um, it's, everything's wrapped up in Jesus here. And so the scriptures are what we've got to go to. Not a professor, not a book, but the scriptures. Uh, go back to the story. It's what changes us. Not our rituals. It's the scripture. It's more complex. So the death of Jesus, uh, finally, it causes us to believe that God is more unpredictable and complex than we could ever know. Okay? So these things are both true. First, Jesus loves centurions. Secondly, Jesus hates centurions. Okay? Jesus is the king. He's so du- he's, it's such a duality, though. It's sort of seemingly irreconcilable. Um, Emil Bruner Bruner, um, says that the wrath of God is the love of God. Okay, and what that means is um, the wrath of God in his mind is the love of God in that the form in which the man who is turned away from God, okay, okay, so let me read that again. In the form in which the man who is turned away from God, me, you, centurion, the man who's turned away from him, turned against God, experiences the love of God in the wrath of God. It's the same. When Jesus pours out his wrath, or has the wrath of God poured out on him by the Father on the cross, that's the love of God. That's how we experience it. We don't know much about the love of God until we know about the wrath of God, that that was for me. And so I, I can't say much about the love of God if I don't know this wrath of God. I can't really say a lot. God's the judge who's got to punish. This is, this is duality too. God's a judge that's got to punish evil, but God's a lover who must find ways to forgive them. That's both true. Uh, Burkhauer, G.C. Burkhauer, says, In the cross of Christ, God's justice and love are simultaneously revealed. The justice and love are simultaneously revealed. This shows us everything. It so looks like a, du- a dual, unreconcilable deal, but we can't know one without the other. The cross is the only place you can see God's holiness and love equally infinite. It's, it's amazing. Nowhere can we understand this and really feel it. So let me just, you know, talk about this. You know, I mean, I, I, have, I drink coffee incessantly. I talk to people all day. I have coffee with them. I eat at Midway Deli and look like a fool. Uh, but but I, I know that one thing about a coffee cup is when, like when you drop it on this floor, more than likely it's going to what? It's going to shatter going to break. If I drop a coffee cup in my car, it will probably not shatter the carpet. Okay, so uh, what, I, what I'm saying here is that the, the essence of the carpet isn't harder than the essence of the cup. But if the same coffee cup falls on this floor, the essence of the floor is harder than the cup, and it's probably going to shatter and break. Why? The essence and I'm going to say that God's essence, his nature, is greater than ours. And is going to break us if we don't find ourselves in Jesus alone. If we can't find ourselves in that and repent of all of our own righteousness, we have no hope of standing. Our only standing, our only hope is in God, or we will be broken and have no, no way to pick up the pieces. That's the only thing we have, y'all. And it is beautiful to see that God doesn't leave us broken, but he provides 
Christ, his own son. He gives us all that we need. So let's pray, and we'll wrap it up there. If you want to talk more about this, I'm happy to talk about it uh, and, and go over the gospel with you. Do it at Midway Deli and not talk about football. Let's pray. Jesus, help us um, internalize uh, what it means to be sinners um, and what it means to, to really own that and find ourselves under your wrath um, and, and to find Jesus meeting that wrath on the cross. And uh, we don't like that. Uh, we don't like to see ourselves in that sort of lens. But the centurion did, and, and it changed him. Um, and, and, and you uh, worked in his life, not because he was good enough, because he was there, and he saw it. Lord, would you, would you bring us to see the cross and help us to internalize both your wrath and your love, how you, how you love us through the cross, and, and, and it's our only hope, and how this man saw it and saw you as divine, as the rescuer for his own soul, and how we might find that too. I pray that we'd find that and be those who, who find that as those who are hungry and must share it with others and see and help them to see what it is that we found in Christ. So I pray that. Uh, would you make um, RUF uh, and, and the Christians of this campus, um, those who go to this place and, and share this um, irreconcilable hope. Uh, it's irreconcilable for us, but it's not irreconcilable for our Lord. So we pray that you'd make us reconcilers tonight. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Okay, so um, we'll do two more songs and wrap it up. What up, guys?